Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show and thank you so much for tuning in here today. It is, of course, Friday the 13th. Yes, it is, of course, a spooky day here on the calendar. It is the first of two such Friday the 13th here in 2020. The next one is all set for November. Now, I'm keeping a close eye on things here as the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is set to address the nation here in the not-too-distant future. Not exactly sure what time. I've heard 10 after 9. I've heard quarter after 9. So we'll see when, in fact, he does take the airwaves, and we'll have that for you live as soon as he does uh, start that address. All parties in the House of Commons have agreed that Parliament will be taking a break until April 20th to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Government House Leader Pablo Rodriguez says it's a of how seriously MPs are taking the pandemic. Uh, before rising, MPs unanimously ratified the new North American trade deal, which is expected to pass quickly on the Senate this afternoon. And Rodriguez says the Commons could come back sooner in the event of an emergency. That is the latest out of Parliament right now. They have indeed decided to take a break for a little over a month's time, a month and a week, and they will um, you know, per- get back together if there is, in fact, an emergency situation which they do, in fact, need to meet. And again, the Prime Minister is set to speak soon, and we'll have that for you here as soon as he does take the airwaves. Got a pretty good show lined up for you here today, and we'll see what happens. Uh, things might be changing here on the fly as we go, but that being said, uh, I am set to be joined by the chair of the Thompson Nicola Regional District in the back half of the show where we are going to discuss what happened during yesterday's board meeting and to end off the show it will be time for another edition of Friday Headlines and in a few minutes I'm set to be joined by now past president of the Chamber of Commerce Joshua Knack. He will be reacting to yesterday's state of the city address that was delivered by Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian and I thought I would start off today's show by sort of breaking things down a little bit about what he had to say last night. Now of course just keep in mind I might uh, drop out of this at any moment as we await to see what the Prime Minister has to say. That is going to be coming up here in the next few minutes. At least that is the hope. All right, so uh, it is that time that we're currently living in. The threat of COVID-19 was brought up almost immediately in Ken Kirshen's speech last night. And I think that, as I have talked about it over the course of the past week, there are many out there who feel that, you know, maybe some media are overreacting. Maybe we're giving too much coverage to this one event. And even the mayor himself tweeted out yesterday that, while you know, he was at an event talking about improving the outcomes of cancer patients, that, yes, in fact, there are other diseases. Yes, point taken. We know that there are other things out there to speak on, but... But that being said, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, one that we have never really seen before and definitely not one that we have seen uh, during the time of social media and the immediacy of information that we have here at our fingertips. So things are a little bit different here this time around. So the mayor addressed that and what he expects to happen here in B.C. and more specifically what he's anticipating will be the impact from the virus here in Kamloops. And it's not really about the health of the people in this room because for the most part this disease will be relatively minor. But it will be about your grandparents, it will be about your aging parents, and it will be about those in our population that are immunocompromised. And we have a duty to protect them and we will do that most effectively through adhering to those kinds of conventions that we need to do with this virus more than any of the others that we've had. 
Now, I'm not a big fan of chasing viruses, and, and I particularly am concerned about viruses that are novel. West Nile virus really cheesed me off. Uh, MERS, that got me going. Uh, COVID-19 is getting me going as well, but we will have cases in camels. And unfortunately, as sure as I'm standing here, we will have fatalities in camels. My hope is that that is a small number because uh, Royal Inland Hospital and the Interior Health Authority have uh, very in-depth pandemic plans. And they have respiratory therapists, they have internal medicine specialists, they have hospitalists, and they have nurses that are gonna be on this task. But it will be up to everyone else in this room to have an emergency plan for your own business and have uh, some thought in and around what that disease and what the absence of half of your workforce might be like for you. I mean, clearly, you know, he's not taking the situation lightly, saying that there will be cases of COVID-19 here in Kamloops. There will be fatalities, but it is up to us, up to the general population, to make sure we're doing what we can to stay safe, to stay sanitized, to make sure we're not spreading this on to other people, um, because that's really the, the greatest risk, right, is that there's a lot of people who could be walking around infected and not know it, not feel sick, and pass it on to those who are, of course, the more vulnerable in our population. You heard him talking off the top there. It's about our grandparents. It's about our aging parents. It's about those with immunocompromised systems that are going to have trouble with this. It's not about the healthy adult uh, for the most part but that being said there are various outcomes or varying degrees of sickness that people may experience from this COVID-19 so um, you know we're all unique and in that sense we have to make sure that uh, we're taking the necessary precautions and he also went on to warn the local business community of what the possible impacts are right I mean when we're seeing travel bans and, and people not necessarily willing to leave their own country, what does that mean for us here in Kamloops, right? I mean, we, we see a lot of industry that relies on those tourism dollars, and if we're not going to be getting them, well, that could be a very big concern to the business community. So uh, here's Ken Christian sort of warning the local business community to make sure that you are indeed prepared. Think about your business and think about the amount of revenue that comes to you through you from those kinds of experiences because it's not like when they decide to open up the airways that everybody's going to jump back on a plane. We are going to see a marked reduction that we are going to have to build back from and we are in a deficit. So to my colleagues at Tourism Camels who are here, it was great last year when everything was going hot to go to the Berlin Marketing Expo, but this year you maybe want to go to the Quinell Lions Club. You know, it sounds like a joke there that he's making at the end where he's saying, you know, instead of going abroad, maybe look to going to somewhere like Quinell and keeping those dollars here in BC. And, you know, it might be a bit of a joke to some people, but at the same point in time, that is a reality that many people should think about, right? If you are planning to go somewhere else, a little more exciting, a little more exotic, exciting is not the right word. There's lots of exciting stuff to do here in BC and here and around the interior. But that being said, I mean, maybe some people, you know, don't like to stay at home when they're going on vacation. But maybe this is a year where you think about doing that because clearly it's not worth traveling to places like Italy right now. So if you have an Italy trip, I would recommend not going on that um, and, and keeping those dollars a little bit closer to home. Not only is that good for our economy, but it's it's important, right? This is what helps your, your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors. If you keep those dollars here, it will go towards them and they can, in fact, support their families and their livelihood and remain here in the beautiful city of Kamloops. And that's what we all want. We want to support those who are living in our community.
I spoke with the uh, chamber's executive director about this, in fact, thing yesterday. And, you know, she said there's really no need to induce panic right now, uh, which is very much true. And I have said it before, and I will say it again. Don't panic about this. Planning to buy thousands of dollars worth of supplies and hang out in your doomsday bunker for the next three months isn't going to be the best of ideas, I don't think. You still got to live your life. But it is important to prepare. Don't ignore the situation. Pay attention to it. Make plan A, B, and C, because we don't know how long some of these things are going to go on for. And I think the mayor did a good job of highlighting those concerns and also suggesting that people take any dollars like I was saying that they were planning to spend on tourism elsewhere and keep them a little bit closer to home I think that's a very important thing as well now of course I've spent the last five six minutes here talking about coronavirus and we are still waiting for the Prime Minister to jump on here and give his address so we're gonna continue to keep an eye on things and we will bring that to you as soon as he does indeed start speaking so keep your ears and your radios tuned here to Radio NL and we will be bringing you that live coverage of the Trudeau address here as soon as it does begin now the mayor of course talked about a lot more things than just the coronavirus at yesterday's speech some may have already forgotten about the issues surrounding blockades and what was happening across Canada just a few weeks ago and really is still going on but it's just not the top story anymore. Something else in the last couple of weeks, uh, issues related to rights and title. And, and we saw in Canada before we were preoccupied by COVID-19 uh, issues related to blockades on, on rail lines and issues related to reconciliation and a serious discussion with respect to rights and title. That hasn't gone away. So when we get past Corbett, we are going to have to readdress that issue. We are... Yeah, so uh, clearly he's speaking to the need to improve relations with Indigenous people, something that, you know, is in desperate need of repair and is not going to be an easy relationship to fix, and, and we're still quite a ways away from true reconciliation, but definitely highlighting the need to continue along that path. And going back to the theme of healthcare again, Corinne Christian spoke on improving the healthcare system here and specifically looking at the cancer care services that are provided here locally. How can we improve them and keep people from having to unnecessarily travel outside of Kamloops? Active therapy here in Kamloops and uh, my concern about having radiation oncology here and uh, having that, uh, repatriating those patients that are driving to Kelowna daily for minimal radiation uh, time periods. So that's something that I will continue to champion. In I mean, I mean, clearly uh, it's something that is close to his heart and something that he wants to see uh, taken care of here. We want to keep people in Kamloops, especially when you're going through medical distressing situations. Staying closer to home is always going to be better for your health outcomes. And uh, just a final note here on last night's State of the City address, without bringing up the Kamloops Center for the Arts, well, of course, he couldn't go through a whole State of the City address without that. And the April 4th referendum is still set to go forward at this point in time. He did compare that issue, the issue of the Kamloops Center for the Arts, to the tournament capital center which and that referendum for the TCC took place in 2003. The uh, tournament capital center so this was the result of a referendum uh, and uh, during that referendum people uh, said that uh, they'd never use it. Never going to use it. Uh, they said that it was too expensive and they said it was in the wrong location. So fast forward, because uh, we've just about got to pay for it, uh, we have about 1.2 million visits last year. Uh, it's going down a bit, but that's where we were last year. Uh, we were going to have it paid off in the fall of uh, 2022. And it has created incredible synergies, not only with Thompson Rivers University, but also with the Interior Health Authority in terms of that building. 
And so I find it curious that I am hearing the same kinds of things about Center for the Arts. Interesting comparison, and we will see what happens on April the 4th, if in fact that vote does go ahead as planned right now. We'll see. I mean, things can change a lot in the next three and a bit weeks, so I have some skepticism that we will go forward with that vote as planned, but that being said, um, it is still scheduled for April the 4th, and we'll see what comes of the Kamloops Center for the Arts vote in that time. So there's a very brief summary of what was discussed last night by Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian. It was a 45-minute address, so I can only fit so much here into a short time, but I will continue with this chat next with the past president now, of the Chamber of Commerce, Josh Knack. He's set to join me in studio. And of course, I'm continuing to keep my eye here for Justin Trudeau. He has not started his speech yet, but as soon as he does, we'll bring that to you live here on Radio NL. So please stick around. We'll have more Jeff Andrea show coming up. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, the Friday the 13th edition here today. Thanks so much for tuning in, continuing to keep an eye here and waiting for the Prime Minister to come on and address the nation here. So we'll bring that to you live as soon as he begins speaking. But uh, we are talking here in the last segment, going over the State of the City address from the Mayor here last night. And now I'm joined in studio by past president of the Kamloops Chamber of Commerce, who hosted last night's dinner, Joshua Nack. Josh, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. So, uh, let's just start with right there. So now you're, you're out as president. I mean, just look back at your time here. You spent uh, an unprecedented two years as president here. Um, you know, just how was it? What, what was it like? What was your experience? Were you happy with the work you did over those two years? Yeah, I know it was great. And, and one of the things that we talked about uh, last night was that it's, it's really during situations like this or, or periods like this, like the last 12 months or even 24 months for a business community that the chamber exists and uh, where we really come alongside our members and uh, there, where there's a really tangible um, opportunity to, to support them. And, uh, and it, it's been a privilege to, uh, to be the president during that period and to work with a great board and a great team. Right on. And of course, like I said, I went over a, a bunch of what the, the mayor had to say here about a 45-minute address that he gave to those in attendance last night. Was there any specific highlight that you took away out of it? I mean, there was a number of topics he, he went on. So, I mean, there's a varying degree of things you could pull out from that. But was there one or two things that you saw that, that you know, those stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that always stands out to me when I hear uh, Mayor Ken Christian speak is just his vision for the city. And so a lot of things came came out in that. And he's very realistic. I mean, he talked about coronavirus and the impact that that, that, that is already having on business. He uh, touched on the Performing Arts Center and, and the value that that will bring. And then I actually had the opportunity to hear him earlier on. There was uh, there was a lunch um, that uh, was with the BC Cancer Foundation and to hear him advocating on behalf of Kamloops for cancer treatment to be here in Kamloops and not mm -hmm. just in Kelowna. And that even came up again last night as well. So I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're a growing city and, 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 it's, uh, and it's great to hear his vision and passion for that. Yeah, definitely one of the highlights I did pull out as well is keeping those cancer patients closer to home because mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's better for everybody involved. Um, yeah, and I just want to get on to, to COVID-19. It's almost unfortunate that, you know, when we talk about a state of the city address like that and it has to take so much attention away from what's really happening here in our city, yes, it's an issue that has to be discussed, but unfortunately we can't get into really the, the details and the crux of what's going on in Kamloops because of this situation sort of taking over the, 
headlines. But when it comes to COVID-19 and the business community being prepared, um, you know, he made a lot of good points. I thought, you know, basically to have like a plan A, B and C in place, because who knows how long the situation could go on for and what the you know overall impacts will be here in Kamloops. So, I mean, just what, what is your message to the business community around this situation? Well, it's a, I mean, it's incredible how quickly things are changing. And I think that's exactly right. We, we have to have a plan, not just for what, you know, what the immediate anticipation is, but to be able to look ahead and whether that's finding ways for employees to be able to work from home or, uh, or, or anything else. And, and, and I mean, we're such a host, we are hospitality based. And that was one thing you really touched on. And the number of, uh, of, 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 uh, room cancellations that, that we're facing here and, and even perhaps people, people, uh, you know, not, not going out. One of the things I just read on, uh, CTV news, it was, uh, it was talking about, you know, how you deal with this, even just psychologically. And one of the things said, if you're, you know, if you're not, if you're not affected or if you're not infected, sorry, then, uh, then don't necessarily isolate yourself. And mm -hmm. I think that's important for people psychologically. And it's also important just as we support our, our, uh, our community. Yeah, it's really tough sometimes to find that balance between overreaction and natural reaction. I mean, uh, you know, when it's in the headlines and it's all we talk about, it tends to get ingrained in our brain, like maybe I should take these extra steps and just self-isolate even though there's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. But you still got to live your daily life, right? You can't just... Uh, be taken over and consumed yeah, by and, this thing. And right? other people need you to live your daily life as well. So Yeah, it's yeah. very important here to the business community that we continue to, to support them. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if there is a situation where, you know, people are, are a lot more, businesses maybe have to close or things like that, What is there anything that people can do just to make sure that we continue to support our local economy in that kind of an event? Well, I mean, the thing that uh, that we know about this particular scenario is that is that it will everything will come back, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is we've we've been through this before, maybe not quite to this extent, but uh, but we've been through it before, and so when it comes back, then then people will have an opportunity to rebuild. I okay. see by your eyes, we've got an address here. Yeah, the Prime Minister is coming out now, so we will go live here to the Prime Minister as he uh, addresses the nation. Good morning, everyone. Bonjour tout le monde. Yesterday, morning, I shared with you that my wife Sophie was being tested for COVID-19, and that test did come back positive. Sophie's symptoms remain mild, but we are following medical advice and taking every precaution. She will remain in isolation for the time being. We are thinking about all the families across the country who've received the same diagnosis, but we're in good hands. We have full confidence in Canada's health officials and professionals. This means that upon my doctor's recommendation, I will remain in self-isolation for 14 days. I want to be clear, I have no symptoms and I'm feeling good. And technology allows me to work from home. Of course, it's an inconvenience and somewhat frustrating. We are all social beings after all, but we have to do this because we have to protect our neighbors and our friends, especially our more vulnerable seniors and people with pre-existing conditions. We are following medical advice, as should all Canadians. And on that note, I want to thank all of Canada's health professionals and the public health agency who are doing an incredible job supporting and looking after all of us. Yesterday, I informed you that my wife Sophie was tested for COVID-19 and the test was positive. The symptoms of Sophie remained mild, but we follow recommendations of doctors in taking all the necessary precautions. 
she will stay in quarantine for a non-determined period. We're thinking of all the families across the country who had the same diagnostic. We are in good hands. We have plenty of confidence in professional of health and authorities of public health. It means that following recommendation of my doctor, I will be isolating myself for 14 days. I want to be clear. I have no symptoms. I feel very good. I work from home for precaution measures. Technology permits us to, to work at distance. Of course, it's not the ideal. It's a bit frustrating. We are all people that are sociable. But that's what we must do to protect our neighbors, our friends, and mainly the elderly and those that have conditions. We are following the advice of the medical staff, like all Canadians should do right now. I'd like to thank all the professionals of the health care department and the public health agency that have been really exemplary to support us. I want now to let you know what our Canada is doing to ensure your security and protect your health. Yesterday, I spoke with many international leaders, amongst them Donald Trump from uh, the United States, President Johnson of Great Britain and President of, of Italy. I also worked on a special committee and I had a phone conference with the finance minister to what we can do right now. I also had the chance to discuss with the president and CEO of the Commerce Board of Canada. This morning, I participated in a meeting of cabinet and I spoke to President Macron from France. And the discussions will go on. Earlier today, the ministers announced that the Canadians recommend to all Canadians to avoid non-essential travels outside the country. We also announced that the cruise season has been suspended and that we will have some tighter measure in security in the airport. We also are stopping some of the overseas arrivals. Mr. Blair, Haidu and Garneau announced that Canada has advised Canadians to curtail non-essential international travel and that the cruise season is suspended until July and that we are bringing in additional screening measures at airports. We are also streamlining overseas arrivals to be better positioned for, for screening. Yesterday, we saw many provinces take strong steps to keep people safe. They are doing what needs to be done to protect the public, and I want to thank them for their exemplary work. Later today, I will have a call with the premiers and indigenous leaders to discuss the latest developments and coordinate our efforts, including the over billion dollar COVID-19 response fund, which provides money to the provinces and territories to support preparation and mitigation. These are significant steps, and we will do more. The provinces and territories are facing various levels of risk, but we will make sure that we align our response across the country. Addressing COVID-19 must be a Team Canada effort. To keep Canadians safe, to mitigate the economic impacts of the virus, all levels of government are working together. 
We are talking regularly. We are coordinating our efforts. We're following the situation very closely, and we're pulling out all the stops. I know that you're worried. You're worried about your health, about your family's health, about your job, your savings, about paying rent, about the kids not being in school. I know that you're concerned about uncertainty in the global economy. The steps being taken to keep you safe have an economic impact. But what is also true is that we are in the enviable position of having significant fiscal firepower available to support you. This is in addition to the measures we've already taken. The finance minister is also in constant communication with his international counterparts to find ways to work together to mitigate the impacts of the virus on the global economy. He will have further announcements shortly this afternoon. The agreement we reached with other parties to suspend the House today also still gives us the flexibility to do the things we need to do in order to support Canadians. No one should have to worry about paying rent, buying groceries, or additional childcare because of COVID-19. We will help Canadians financially. The Government of Canada will be introducing a significant fiscal stimulus package in the days ahead. Le gouvernement du Canada annoncera des mesures fiscales importantes important. des prochains jours. All right, there you have it. That was uh, Justin Trudeau speaking live here uh, just outside of his home uh, in Ottawa. So uh, he will remain in self-isolation for the next 14 days. Says he is, in fact, feeling good at this point in time, but his wife uh, has tested positive for COVID-19. So he will remain in isolation for the next two weeks, but says he will, of course, work from home, and he's fully equipped uh, with the tools to do that. And he also went on to say that Canada is in the enviable position of having fiscal firepower to support Canadians in this difficult time. And if you do, in fact, uh, come down with COVID-19 that there will be supports in place to help you. So we'll see uh, just how this thing progresses. That was Justin Trudeau speaking live here. Uh, thank you so much for listening in on radio. And Al, we'll continue to talk more about this and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just continue this conversation. So we'll take a quick break here and we'll be back with more on Radio NL. You're listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show, and thanks for joining me here on Friday the 13th. Yesterday, the TNRD met for a board meeting, and to help look back on that meeting and what went down, I'm joined in studio now by the chair of the TNRD, Ken Gillis. Ken, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, good morning, Jeff. It's nice to be here with yeah, you. Yeah, it's been a little while, so I appreciate it. Um, I mean, we got to start with the topic of, I guess, the month right now. Of course, that is coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, you know, you guys had a presentation yesterday on this at the TNRD meeting. Can you maybe just give me a quick summary of, of what was discussed? Sure thing. We did indeed have a presentation, and uh, really what it amounted to was a, a, a description of what it is that we can do, what we can't do. And, of course, it's important to remember right off the, hoop, uh, off the hop that uh, this is, in fact, an a IHA issue. Mm -hmm. It's not a TNRD issue. But having said that, there are certain things that we have to be prepared for as well. And uh, that was what the presentation was all about. There were certain initial steps that they recommended that we should take, um, which would be, I guess you'd describe those as baby steps. And then... Depending on how much of an epidemic it becomes locally, we have to start considering the possibility of closing facilities, 
libraries would be an example. Of course, we're a long, long way from that at yep. this point. But then, yesterday, I thought we were probably a long, long way from losing the NHL season. Look where that's going. <laughs> yeah, you know? that didn't so take long. Yeah, it's very, very hard to say. Uh, in any case, uh, we would have to consider that sort of thing. And then, uh, beyond that, we have to consider what we will have to keep open in terms of, in terms of essential services. Obviously, we can't shut down our fire departments and that kind of thing. So that was on the list. And then the final stage sort of would be the op opening of an oper uh, emergency operations center. So that's always done in, uh, in conjunction with mm -hmm. Emergency Management BC. And things would be pretty extreme, I would expect, before we had to do that. But that's, you know, as I say, the final step. So that's what it was. And I'd really like this to take this opportunity to give a shout out to our interim CAO, Randy Deal. And he's, he's jumped on this and he's got us on it, uh, I think, a way ahead of the curve. And uh, we do have real good staff. Ron Story did an excellent job of pulling it together and giving us a presentation that was comprehensible and people understood. I, I was really pleased with that, the way that turned out yesterday. That's good. I, I think it's important that these, you know, presentations are made to each individual body because, you know, it, some of these things, it seems obvious, you know, to wash your hands and all these kinds of things. They're so clear of, of what we should be doing to prevent the spread of this. But yet, if we don't hear that message all the time, some people just don't get it, right? So it's important to keep hearing these things. And, and when you're talking about the possibility of closing facilities and things like that, we're clearly a long ways away from that. But at the same point, this is changing hour by hour, day by day, so we have to be prepared for those types of situations. That's exactly right, and that was the purpose of the whole presentation yesterday, and also to remind people that, you know, the, the correct thing to do if you're having or you have problems and questions you need answered, the proper thing to do is to call 811. Obviously, the TNRD isn't going to be able to help you yeah. on that sort of yeah. thing, and we're not the people to turn to, but, uh, but there are things that we have to do to keep you protected. Awesome. Um, there was other things, of course, discussed at the, the TNRT meeting yesterday. Uh, one of the other things was um, talking about funding requests. You said you're getting inundated right now with some funding requests? Well, inundated might not be uh, the correct term, but we are getting an increasing number of them, and it's uh, got to the point now that we have to develop some kind of a policy as to what we're going to do with these, perhaps set a, establish a fund that we try not to exceed, that sort of thing. Um, we're having staff prepare a policy for dealing with the requests and perhaps uh, even some means of differentiating between ones that that benefit the whole regional district and other uh, events that are perhaps not so inclusive. So that's what we're aiming for and we've turned it back to staff and asked them to give us some direction on on what we can and can't do in order to keep this at a manageable level. Right. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, everyone is almost encouraged to, to put in the request and nothing wrong with doing that. But um, sometimes you just need to have a little more direction and how you're going about actually allocating those funds. Well, yeah, and I think maybe the word gets out. Just, just put in a request to the TNRD. They <laughs> yeah. got lots of money. <laughs> I don't think our taxpayers feel quite that generous. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll have a, 
you know, we'll, we'll update that once the staff comes back with the report and, and see where things go from there. Um, there was also some talk about the uh, respect the workplace policy. You uh, you said there was a little bit of misinformation that's out there on this one, so uh, here's a chance to maybe correct that. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. There was indeed, uh, a few weeks ago, there was a report, I think, that came out to the effect that the uh, uh, WorkSafe had conducted a couple of investigations into uh, into the TNRD's operation, and that wasn't true at all. Uh, what did happen was that there were inspections. Every organization is subject to inspections from time to time, and as I understand it, there was an inspection, and in the course of that, they determined that there were some deficiencies in our respectful workplace policy uh, with respect to reporting and annual reviews and that kind of thing. They used the word tweaks. They said we needed a couple of tweaks, but uh, once it got to staff, staff did a pretty comprehensive overhaul of it, and I'm sure that we're now in compliance with WorkSafe regulations. Yeah, I guess when, when you hear something like a, a WorkSafe investigation, that probably perks your ears up a little bit, eh? Well, yeah, I was pretty worried about it. As a matter of fact, the morning that that came out, I was uh, I was to chair a committee of the whole meeting. I turned it over to my vice chair because I was quite concerned to find out what was going on. But it wasn't nearly as dire as it sounded initially. Um, I wanted to ask too, uh, since you you brought him up, up the CAO, and and you know we have an interim CAO in place right now, and you mentioned he's doing some great work. Just what is the status right now of a search for a permanent replacement? I know it's only been a couple of weeks, so I'm just. Wanting a brief update here. Yeah, and I'm happy that you asked that question. I've spoken to Mr. Deal about that, and he has suggested that it, we won't post it for a couple of months. Uh, there's a couple of things that he would like to get sort of straightened around, and as he puts it, get the ship onto an even keel so that we've got a good, well-functioning operation to turn over to the next person who comes in to occupy that position. The other thing, and I'm really encouraged about this, Jeff, the other thing is that he said we could expect a... a substantial number of applications. He went, uh, Randy went on to speak about what a desirable place Kamloops is to live. The fact that we have a cost of living that's substantially below, uh, you know, the cost in the lower mainland. Mm -hmm. And he said, I think you can expect a good number of applications and we'll probably get some very, very highly qualified people. So I'm looking forward to that. Right on, in a couple of months. So that's not uh, too far into the future, but definitely a little bit of time to make sure that, um, you know, the interim CAO has some time to, to figure out things himself before passing the torch. I think that makes sense. Um, I did want to ask briefly, I know you said you don't know a ton of it, but well, I'll ask anyway, and we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, invasive plants has been an issue here uh, that's been discussed over the last few years. Um, I know you're laughing right now because, uh, you know, you said the, the info you have is minimal, but I know there was a three-year plan from the government to to pay for some um, mitigation when it comes to invasive plants and it sounds like they've renewed some of that funding um, can you just tell me what you know I guess or, or can you summarize what has taken place over the last couple of meetings that you've had on this subject and, and where things are going well I can only talk about the last meeting because that's the one I attended and then I left it to attend another one but it's just an ongoing problem Jeff it goes on and on and it's a difficult one for us to deal with and of course the question of funding is is vital it's always hard to find enough money, and when you do find some money, it's difficult to assign the priorities. Where should it go? Uh, sometimes I think we put too much time into planning and plotting and strategizing, and maybe not quite enough time and money into boots on the ground killing weeds. But maybe that's just because I have that, that kind of an outlook on life. I don't right. know. Well, sometimes, you know, plants aren't necessarily thought of as, a, as an evil here around, so... Uh 
sometimes it's just a matter of realizing what's supposed to be here and what's not and realizing the situation. But uh, thank you so much for coming in, Ken. Appreciate you taking the time. Always love chatting with you, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. As I've mentioned recently, you know, our relationship with the uh, with the news media, it's a symbiotic relationship, so we need you guys, too. You know? And we want you to keep coming to us, so we'll... Uh, We'll make sure this relationship stays good. Thanks, Ken. Thanks so much, Jeff. That was the chair of the Thompson-Nicola Regional District, Ken Gillis. Uh, coming up next, it'll be Friday Headlines with Victor Kaiser, so please stay tuned. More Jeff Andrea show coming up after this. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back into the Jeff Andrea Show here on Radio NL. It is Friday the 13th. Today we're going to play a little Friday headlines, and of course I'm going to be joined now in studio by our own Victor Kaiser. Victor, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Good to be here again. Yeah, it's good to have you. And of course, uh, you know, headlines right now dominated by one thing and one thing only, and that is Victor. <laughs> That's your I, name. I'm dominating headlines. Thank you very much. Oh my much. goodness. This, I just pulled a Ron Burgundy <laughs> right there. Yeah, Cor Corvid. COVID-19. Okay, coronavirus. That, of course, is a thing. So let's get right into it. Let's play a little Friday headlines here. All right. And now, Friday headlines with Jeff Andreas. All right. Well, let's start with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Of course, he gave an address here just, uh, you know, it just kind of wrapped up questions here about 10 minutes ago. Um, so, you know, this is pretty fresh news here. So just react accordingly as you can. But Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is saying that he will not be tested for COVID-19 unless and until he shows symptoms of the virus. I mean, uh, he's right now self-isolating for 14 days. His wife has tested positive. How do you think about that? Do you think he should be tested? I think if anyone should be tested, it should be the Prime Minister. You, you would think he should be, but uh, I guess on the flip side, too, it's if he looks fine, feels fine, and if he's isolating to himself, right? I guess, you know, maybe a couple days, and if things go worse, then I'm sure he'll be tested. And I think that's the way he is looking at this for now. He's just going to be business as usual moving forward, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is, you know, why test now if you think you're going to be fine only to feel sick in a couple of days and then test again and have to test exactly, positive, right? Yeah, that's pretty, no that's pretty much what it is. That, that's, I think that's what he is saying at this point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, it, it just feels like, you know, if anyone should be getting tested, it's a guy who's living in a house right now, isolated with someone who is already sick, and you're the leader of the country, so I feel like we should know if you're if you're okay. He says he's feeling fine, um, so I guess we'll just have to take he, his he word for it. He sounded fine, point. too, when he spoke. I've seen people, you know, who have the virus, and they're trying to sound fine, and they're clearly not, but uh, he seemed fine today, so, uh, you know, I guess no foul or no harm just yet. But everybody's going to be watching him for sure. Yeah, and he also went on to uh, sort of tout Canada as being in an enviable position of having some fiscal firepower, were his words, to support the Canadian population. So trying to put a positive spin on what is a real devastating situation right now, especially when talking about the global economy. All right, let's move on to a new headline. It is still going to be corona-related, so okay, we'll all just right. move on here. It's time for a new headline. All right, so with that in mind, all parties in the House of Commons have agreed that Parliament will take a break until April the 20th to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Um, uh, one thing I'm a little bit um, nervous, I guess, about when, when talking about this is just sort of what, what happens now. Like, what is the plan in place? And I haven't read it. Like, if I know if there's an emergency situation, they will reconvene. But yes. what, what can they do in the meantime? I mean, can they just have conference calls and, and, you know, have three, four, five MPs get together at once to make decisions? That's not enough uh, you know, heads in, in one room. It, it is, and it's going to be an interesting debate, and it's not just a province thing, right? This is, we're talking the whole country with 338, I think the number is. We're talking about mm -hmm. MPs from everywhere. So uh, 
I imagine there will be contingency plans in place, and if things need to happen, like you said, they will reconvene in some way, shape, or form. It is 2020, so there is video conferencing and all of that stuff. So you, you're able to, I guess, dial in remotely, be on the phone, and still be a part of caucus meetings mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. But I still think it is a good move to keep people away. Just don't have... And, and again, if they want to ban gatherings of 250 people or less in most places, we're talking four or five hundred in that building yeah. so this makes perfect sense yeah it totally does make perfect sense especially when we're saying that these are our decision makers right these are the supposed leaders of canada and if they all are in one room with the coronavirus i mean that uh, it's not pose some problems for for our country so definitely uh, i think the right move and they did go on to uh, pass the or ratify the north american dream deal before that happened so they did make that quick step here and then uh, have that go through the senate this afternoon uh, let's do one more highlight because we're almost out of time but i did want to bring this up. It's time for a new headline. All right, so Canadian researchers are making breakthroughs in the fight against COVID on several fronts. Quebec City-based Med Medicago, I think I'm saying that right, is taking the first steps towards a vaccine. And yesterday, researchers in Ontario announced they had isolated the virus. This is significant news. The World Health Organization has said that a vaccine for COVID-19 could take as long as 18 months to develop, but it looks like Canadians here are taking the right steps to get there. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, if you cancel Excellent the hockey news. season... <laughs> you know, Canadians step up to the plate. Well, we focus on, I guess, and we do things. I mean, we do things even when hockey's on, but I think we're a little more focused when it's off. So uh, kudos to those researchers, way smarter than you and I, and I'm looking forward to pretending to understand what they come up with in the yeah. near future. Yeah, WHO is saying a year and a half to come up with a vaccine, while Canadians without hockey, we'll, we'll get that done in a matter of months, I'm sure. Thanks so much for coming in, Victor. Appreciate it. You're welcome. We'll do it again. All right, this has been Friday Headlines. Friday Headlines with Jeff Andreas. All right, well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, if you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have a great weekend. Keep washing your hands, and I'll be back here on Monday at 9.